Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. From where I'm sitting, I thought that was a pretty incredible first full weekend. You know, either that or I was just jonesing so hard, so hard, and we finally got it. So I'm going to say yes, it was a great weekend of college football, unless, unless you're Bayou Brian Kelly or LSU player, or LSU fan, or really anybody at all associated with the LSU family. Family. The LSU family. Family. Is really going through it this morning. Because the LSU football team was pretty disgusting Sunday night against Florida State. In fact, I would say revolting. I mean, there's some rough debuts, and then there's that debut. BK's disaster on the Delta. Because LSU didn't just lose that game, they blew the game. You can even say they muffed the game. There were lots of muff. There was plenty of muff. In the first half alone, they muffed a punt. Had a field goal blocked and scored just three points. It led to this exchange on the ESPN broadcast coming out of halftime. You're only down by four. What was your message? Uh, we can't play any worse than that, I don't think. I mean, it's my first game. Maybe we can. I mean, seriously, that was BK's halftime message to the team. Quote, we can't play any worse than that, I don't think. End of quote. Yeah, except for one thing. The entire locker room got that message, and then they hit back with, uh, hold my beer. Watch us, coach. Because, of course, it would get worse. Much, much worse. You could say that ending sequence alone was one of the greatest things to ever happen in a college football game. If by greatest, you mean one of the most egregious, hideous, slop fests anybody has ever laid eyes upon. I'm sure you saw it, and if you didn't, I'm here to help. And if you did see it, it's well worth reliving. Let's fast forward to 2.15 left in the fourth. FSU, up seven punting to pin LSU deep, which really was just another opportunity for a muff. Muff, muff number two. Muff. First three and out for Florida State tonight. LSU defense did their job when they had to do it. Fair catch is muff Muff. 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 The only thing worse than one muff, muff. is a second muff. muff with the game on the line. So the game is over, right? Yeah, no. More like FSU's turn to do the unthinkable. The unthinkably awful. Now you might be thinking, how badly could they possibly F up first and goal with 145 left? How badly? This badly. One of those crazy things that always... Fumble, fumble here down at the goal line. Is there a chance LSU has fumble. come up with it as Ward fumbled Not- the ball? LSU says they have it. LSU does. I mean, what a freaking bleep show at this point. So that play leaves LSU with 99 yards to drive and 105 to do it, which, of course, is exactly what happened. How could it not in a game like that? That sets up a last-second Jane Daniels TD pass to send this insane game into overtime. Except, of course, that it didn't because LSU had their worst saved for the very end. And it's a redshirt freshman kicker, Damian Ramos, who might be the most nervous person in the Superdome right now. 
Boy, the snap. Ram with the hole to send it to. Free football. Snap. Spot. Blocked. 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 Florida State Radio, as you might imagine. Brian Kelly seriously lost his debut to Florida State on a blocked point after. An incredible ending. An incredibly terrible ending. An incredibly terrible first game for Kelly and the entire LSU family. Um, This look is so bad for BK. Even Coach O has got to be walking around right now, puffing out that barrel chest, talking all kinds of bleep that absolutely nobody can understand. And there have been no shortage of bad looks for Brian Kelly after this one. Like, remember when he left Notre Dame and none of his Notre Dame assistants would go with him? Only one in the end did. None other than Brian Polian, a.k.a. his special teams coach, a.k.a. the coach who presided over the worst special teams performance of all time. Like, I'm talking about of all time on any level of football ever. I have never seen that much muff. Muff. Everyone, I'm sure, is very glad that you made it down to the bayou. Then there, and there's so much more, right? Then there's the best player for LSU, star wideout Keishon Booty scrubbing any mention of LSU from his social media after only catching two passes for 20 yards in that game. Already scrubbing it down after one game. Uh Uh-oh! Yeah, that didn't take very long. And kind of hard to blame the guy, right? I wouldn't be feeling too great about the family after that game either. The entire program even got dunked on by a kid in an FSU jersey on the local news after that game. You can't spell LSU without the L. Good one, kid. He he just murdered them, didn't he? Look, I don't you can't know. can't spell LSU without the L. Ah, boy, you tell him. Good job, good effort. Listen, I, I'm well aware that it's just the first game for Brian Kelly at LSU. But I'm also aware that that was about as ugly and disastrous a debut as his fake-ass accent itself. I mean, seriously. As bad as that was, this is even worse. And if he wants to keep showing his face around Louisiana, it's going to take a lot more than just learning a few fake southerny words. He's going to have to book a bunch of more jug band-aids to try to win these people back. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family. We can't play any worse than that, I don't Muff. think. It's a great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, Muff. to be with Muff. my great family. Part of what is going to be an incredible ride here. Hey, a chicken man was in there. University. You can't spell LSU without the L. I love it. So overall, you've got a whole lot of people bummed out over that loss. But I'll tell you who's not. You know who's not upset about that? Mike Norvell, obviously. Probably Ed Orgeron. I'm guessing the hat, Lester Miles. 
I'm having a little uh, heartfelt here. A little heartfelt what? Eating some celebratory mm, grass? Chomping on some fescue. Little fescue sando. As for the rest of the season, to answer BK's own thoughts. Uh, we can't play any worse than that, I don't think. I mean, it's my first game. Maybe we can. Yeah, you sure as hell can. I know you can. Look at that schedule, BK. Bama, Arkansas, Mississippi, A&M. You absolutely can play worse. You better not, but you can. I mean, at least Notre Dame lost. You've got that going for you, BK, which is pretty terrible. Because believe me, they were not nearly as embarrassing a defeat as you were. Maybe you could talk Marcus Freeman into taking back Brian Polian. Because at this point, he might be a bigger fraud than Rudy himself. I'm shouting out to the LSU family. How you feeling this morning? Man, what a disastrous start. And I'll get into this a little bit later on. I have more thoughts on that game. But something else to me that was just utterly hilarious was when they did score that touchdown, this guy could not get that one finger up fast enough. Like, BK, what are you doing? Have you not watched that game? He's like, oh! One, one, one! Let's play for OT. Dude, if I were as crappy as your team was that entire game, and special teams as horrific as they were that entire game, and you just went right down the field, 99 yards, and Florida State is on their heels, and they're gassed, and they can't get them off the field, why would you not go for two, finish that thing, get your ass back in the locker room, and just keep moving? This dude could not get that one finger up fast enough. That was something to see. Oh, I can't wait to get to this. Let me talk to you for a minute about the Conair Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2-in-1. Or as I like to refer to it as the Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. I love this product so much. It is the most powerful handheld steamer I have ever seen. What that means is you get fast and easy wrinkle removal. Look, I want to look sharp. I want to look buttoned up. I hate wrinkles. But I no longer have to worry about that because of the extra large sole plate, which can be used in vertical or horizontal action. It also works without steam is a dry iron. I'm talking serious technology. Advanced heat technology is ready almost instantly, and it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam. Four settings for delicate to turbo is perfect for all fabrics. And it kills 99.9% .9 of bacteria, and it sanitizes around the house, and it refreshes clothing. It is easy to use. It is great for at home or on the go. To get yours today, go to Amazon and search Conair Turbo Extreme Steam and look for the Steam and Iron 2-in-1. James Franklin is my guest. James, it has been a moment or two since you and I have spoken. It's great to have you back. How are you? Good, Jim. I appreciate you having us on. It's good to have you on, Coach. All right, so you came from behind for a hard-fought 35-31 win over a Purdue team that won nine games last season. What was your message to your team after that win? Well, to, to your point, I mean, that team beat Iowa last year. Uh, I think Iowa's ranked either number two or three in the country last year when they beat them. They beat Michigan State as well. 
Um, and, and that guy does a great job of throwing the ball. The head coach has got a history of doing that. They got a six year quarterback who's, who's broke the all time leading percentage completion percentage record at Purdue. And they've had some pretty good quarterbacks. So we knew it was going to be a challenge, obviously going on the road in the big 10 to open a season blackout environment. Um, I thought we, I thought we handled it well. Um, you know, had, had the lead at the halftime, lost the lead, and then we were able to go on a two minute drive there at the end to win the game. So a lot of stuff to be, to be taught, a lot of stuff to learn from, but at the end of the day, we found a way to get a gritty win on the road in the big 10. Penn State head coach, James Franklin joining us. Speaking of sixth year quarterbacks, Sean Clifford had a big game overall, but he did have to bounce back from what looked like a devastating pick six in the fourth quarter. So what did he show you in the way he shook that off and ultimately took that team down the field for the game-winning score? Well, really the whole team, your point I think is a good one with Sean. That's where experience matters, right? Sean's kind of been there, done that. He's kind of seen it all. Uh, you know, uh, he's, been, he's been the quarterback of a – Cotton Bowl championship team with 11 wins. He's had success. He's had adversity. Um, and when a play like that happens, you know, that's where that experience and that confidence helps and, and counts. And, um, you know, we were able to, we work situational football all the time. You know, we won the two minute situation at the end of the first half. We won the two minute situation at the end of the game. Uh, to win it, uh, our defense won both two minutes at the end of the half, end of the game, and the four-minute situation, um, and a coming-out situation. So you talk situational football all the time and how important it is, and you know, we were able to win the majority of those things, which I think were probably the biggest factor in that game. Talking to James Franklin, you know how it is. You mentioned there have been some ups and downs, and there's been some adversity. And it seems like, you know, I don't like the phrase generally love-hate, but the faithful kind of have a love-hate relationship, it seems to me, from the outside looking in with Clifford. You know him as well as anybody. I know you appreciate what he does. Is there something the fan base doesn't understand about him that they need to understand about him? Well, I think most importantly, the way he's rep- represented the program in the university over the last couple of years has gotten his degree. Uh, everything has been class act, every interview, everything he's done. Um, and, and let's be honest, I mean, these were unusual times in college football, whether it was COVID. Um, and, and as you know, Jim, every state and every conference handles things differently. And this guy, this guy has led Penn State through tough times and challenging times and times where leadership was critical. And uh, you, you, really can't, you really can't find an example of him not representing the university and the football program the right way. So I'm, I'm super proud of him. I believe in him. I think he's going to have a really good senior year and, and be able to ride off into the sunset and hopefully the NFL. Penn State head football coach James Franklin joining us once again. Now, he did leave the game unexpectedly, meaning we got a quick look at your five-star recruit, Drew Allure. I know it's only one series, but I thought the kid looked smooth, if not downright electric. What do you make of the way he handled that moment and the big stage? Yeah, he, he, he looked like really poised in there. I mean, just watching, he looked so relaxed and comfortable in the, in the pocket. It, it helps that he's six foot five, two 242 pounds, and and can spin it, but I was just I was impressed with his poise and confidence. Again, you're talking about the you know the true freshman first game of the year on the road in the Big Ten um, in a tight tightly contested game, and to go in there with that type of poise 
uh, you know, was was impressive. Obviously, we were able to go in and get Sean and Ivy and and get him and get him taken care of, so he was able to come back. But you know, I think that was really important that he was able to get in there and 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 function, you know, within the system. And I think, like to your point, showed signs that you know you got a lot to be excited about. Hey, James, I understand that you don't want to overhype one series, and I'm kind of. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm overhyping one series. I was kind of mesmerized by the kid. I thought he was amazing and smooth. And you got to be pretty excited about the future, obviously. Let me ask you, it seemed pretty clear to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were looking to establish the run early and often, and that was a priority. What did you think of what you saw in that run game, and what kind of marks would you give the offensive line? Yeah, I think we've made progress, but we didn't get an, you know enough uh, explosive runs. And, and, and when I went back and watched it, tape, we were closer then I realized about three or four runs that really could have broke broke open. Nick Singleton had a chance early in the game for a 96 yard yard. He makes one guy miss, and it's to the house. And that that's the difference, right? You know, it, not only in terms of the production of your run game, but also statistically, you get a couple big runs per game, and and it changes everything. So. That'll be important for us moving forward, but we're committed to doing it, and uh, I think it's also going to help our offense and our defense, our entire team, you know, by being able to run the ball, you know, especially when it's needed. Did you know a fire department responds to a fire every 23 seconds? October is fire prevention month, so never too soon to think about that because it's right around the corner, and we have teamed up with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety to help protect your whole home with safety that you can trust. Smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. And having enough First Alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the very best things that you can do for your home and your family. Install alarms on every single level and in every bedroom of your home. And then once they are installed, it is really important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also, remember the alarms do not last forever and they do need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you can't remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to replace the unit completely. And for a replacement option, by far, my favorite is... First Alert's 10-year sealed battery alarms. 10-year sealed battery alarms are convenient and they eliminate the need for battery replacements for an entire decade. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at your home with your family, go to firstalert.com slash fire prevention month. We're talking Penn State football for a few more moments. The head coach, James Franklin, back on the program. What about the other side? You lost a pretty significant amount of defensive talent to the NFL. You've got a new D coordinator in Manny Diaz. Obviously, there's a bit of a transition right now. But how did that unit look to you in the opener? Yeah, and again, you know, I, I got a ton of respect for, for Coach Brom as an offense coordinator and what he does in the passing game. So we were tested. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We were tested. And... Um, you know, again, I thought Manny did a great job. You're talking about a seasoned, experienced defensive coordinator, head coach experience. All those things matter, and all those things count. Um, you know, it was pretty cool to see our our starting quarter, uh, Joey Porter. You know, was named the Bidneric, you know, um, defensive player of the week. Um, you know, some people are talking about him as a first round, you know, draft choice. Uh, had six pass breakups. We actually had him for more than that, but but played well. You know, we had a chance for a couple of interceptions I think could have really changed the game. But overall, our defense played well. And if you really watch the game, 
the last five drives when we really started to get comfortable and Manny got a good feel for, for who our kids are and how we play the last five drives of the game, we shut them down. And, and that's really when it mattered most. All right, speaking of Joey Porter Jr., no doubt he's a critical f- component to what you like to do there. You mentioned that he might be a first-round pick. Does he look to you like a first-round pick? Well, yeah, hopefully you'll get a chance to see him at some point, Jim. I mean, he's one of those guys that physically you stand there on the sideline and look at him, and he looks every bit the part of what everybody's looking for. He's 6'2-plus. He's got the arms of somebody who's six five, extremely extremely long arms. He's got the athleticism of of a five nine guy and quickness, and um, you know, and was able to get you know get his hands on a on a bunch of balls that that you know were were critical plays at critical times in the game. So I know he'll test well, and then obviously the way he played the other night, we can continue to build on this, and that's going to help Penn State football, and that's also going to help Joey Porter in the long run. So. I got a ton of confidence and belief in him, and he's got decent genetics. Dad wasn't bad either. Dad was not bad. Dad was one of my favorites. <laughs> All right, so finally, he and he does kind of remind me of his old man. So you mentioned that you were kind of tested on the back end. What about your thoughts on Saturday? You've got Ohio. You know they're going to look to throw the ball around the yard, too, with quarterback Curtis Rourke. What are your early thoughts on the Bobcats and your matchup with them? Yeah, again, veteran quarterback who's, who's done some good things for him. He put up big numbers last week. Um, so, you know, a ton of respect. Last time Penn State played Ohio U in 2012, we lost. Um, you know, so, so you know, we, this, this team has earned uh, our respect, and, and we know we're going to have to play and play well. I watched a number of MAC teams give a number of teams across the country, and specifically the Big Ten teams, some, some challenges. Uh, so we're going to have to be ready to go, but you know I think combination of what they do on offense, their experience on special teams, they got all four of their specialists back, uh, and then a defense. They went out and hired a defensive coordinator from within the conference, who's been very very successful uh, from Miami of Ohio, and uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. But we're looking forward to a 12, 12 o'clock kick game here, which which we love because hopefully you go out and do what you need to do, and then you still get some family time. The family, James Franklin, my guest. One final thought for you. A new NIL collective was just announced for your program. It's headed up by some former players, including Kajana Carter, called the Lions Legacy Club. How important is it to have a collective like that when it comes to competing on the recruiting front against the likes of the Ohio States and Michigans of the world? Yeah, well, when you talk about, you know, Kajana and Maudie and Gainer, they're big names in, in Penn State history and, um, and we're so appreciative that they've jumped in to try to help in this area. And, and Jim, you know, it's no different than your industry. You know, when the industry changes, you better change with it. and You better change quickly and you better be bold and you better be aggressive. And this is, this is college football in 2022 and moving forward. So the fact that these guys, you know, jumped in with both feet and, are trying to to help the program in any way they possibly can, we couldn't be more appreciative. I think you just nailed it. My industry, your industry, any industry, it's going to change. The one constant is change, and you better change with it, and you better be bold, and you better be aggressive. James Franklin, the head coach of Penn State, they're coming off a season-opening win. They open up at home. That 12 o'clock start against Ohio. Good to have you back on the show. Appreciate that very much, Coach. Thank you. 
Jim, appreciate you, buddy. Have a great day. Yeah, I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Like, I don't even know that was possible. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use. I mean, the product is pretty amazing. All of that, and especially, especially good when you're on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray continues. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. And it goes without saying, you better be moisturizing. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin. And did I say, you had best be moisturizing? I do. You should. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry. Clean feel all day. Well, I could not be any less impressed with the Yankees overall. And I've been saying this for weeks now, right? I'm not just jumping on this late. I've been saying this for weeks While I could not be any less impressed with them overall, I couldn't be any more impressed with the flat line that is Aaron Judge. Like, pretty hard to play the game when you've got both hands wrapped around your throat for weeks at a time. Well, most of the other guys in that clubhouse, but not Judge. Does this dude even have a pulse? He turns down what he deemed to be a low ball offer earlier, which it was, and now single-handedly has got this team on his back trying to prevent one of the greatest collapses the sport has ever seen. Remember, the Yankees had a 15-and-a-half game lead not long ago. Now it's down to five. Without Judge, they're probably mathematically eliminated already. Hell, I know Aaron Boone and or Brian Cashman would have been eliminated from the payroll had that happened. That could still happen. But apparently, not as long as Judge is on the watch. I mean, you take Shohei Otani, right? This guy is still the freakiest thing the sport has ever seen. Still odds-on favorite to win the MVP. But at this point, I've got a question. Should he? I mean, yes, he is still doing the impossible on the nightly. And he's doing it on a garbage team that's going nowhere and suddenly is up for sale. Judge, on the other hand, is doing it after turning down that big contract offer, betting on himself, doing it on the biggest stage, under the brightest lights, when nobody around him is doing a damn thing to help. And this guy's not flinching, and he's not blanking. And he's trying to run down Roger Maris, who experienced so much stress in chasing the babe that this dude had clumps of hair falling out on home plate. He was so stressed. And Judge is just walking around with the entire city on his back, and he barely changes expression. The Yankees are absolute garbage in the month of August. Even worse at the very start of September. And so much so that Aaron Boone admitted, quote, if we don't dig ourselves out, you'll have a great story to write. End of quote. Actually, Skip... One of the best stories ever to write. Except that that big dude will not let us write the story. This dude just keeps showing up to the yard raking every other night or every single night. Just shows up, looks at the other 24 guys in that clubhouse, and in effect says, hey, not on my watch, bum asses. 
get on my back. If I've got to do it myself, I will. I mean, as much as I would love to see the Yankees finish off this colossal tank job, this monster is not letting it happen. I guess Cashman probably just had his first really good night of sleep since before the All-Star break. I mean, just look at him. I hate people who say that Brian Cashman has the hardest job in sports. People think his job is hard because he looks like he has two chocolate-covered donuts around his eyes and because he has this perpetual look on his face like he just saw CeCe Sabathia getting out of the shower. I mean- Thanks, Johnny. I don't know, maybe if Aaron Judge was fat like Babe Ruth, fat. Cashman could just pay him in donuts. Hey, fat boy, I got some donuts for you. Chocolate covered. Queen, fat, fat boy, boy. chocolate covered. Queen, fat boy. My man Aaron, keep living your best life. The guy is just crushing bombs. Bombs. Drill deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run into the second deck. 54, and the Yankees lead 4-2. to two. I mean, you think a guy like that does all that, and he's got to carry He's got to carry all that weight and blow that steam off somehow, some way, right? I bet that guy goes home and just chill out. Nope, nope. Does that, and then he and the wife go to the U.S. Open right after that. Like, how was your Labor Day, clones? A good Labor Day for any of us is having a nice barbecue, maybe some couch time, mixing in some Netflix docs. Maybe if we're really lucky, get in some pool time. Yeah, well, the rest of us are not Aaron Judge. The only thing hotter than this guy right now is our weather in Cali. By the way, I'm not bitching. I'm not complaining. But can anybody do any? I grew up here, all right? I like it. I like the heat. Is there anybody, though, anywhere who can do something about this heat wave? Not cool. Make, give me back my 70s. Give me back my son. Give me back my 70s. Give me back my son. You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums and worse yet, how their rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, you want to talk about amazing. And now that we've talked about that, let's get back to the daily jungle. You know, the stuff that we talk about here daily. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. We are joined by Dave Stewart. Stewart is so good to have you back. Appreciate you. Appreciate the relationship. How you living, man? How are things? Man, I can't complain about a thing. You know, every day is a good day. Wake up. I'm ready to go. I like that. All right. So you have been around the game a long, long time in so many different capacities for several decades. For those who do not know, I'm going to jump right into this. What is your current mission and what is driving you right now? Well, my current mission right now is for black ownership in baseball. I've had... uh, my, the group that, that has been formed is called Music City Baseball, but the baseball team in particular is called the Nashville Stars. Um, and people ask, what are the Nashville Stars? The Nashville Stars, it's an old Negro League team that played in Nashville in the 40s and 50s, um, along with all the other Negro League teams that came through. And so uh, what has been decided and what I decided was that we would apply Nashville Stars to a major league baseball team, which has never been done, but being a black owner in baseball has never been done. 
And so um, that right now is is my big mission to bring expansion baseball to Nashville. Hmm. Dave Stewart joining us. What about if that were not to happen from an expansion standpoint, would you be open to moving an existing franchise there? Well, we'd, obviously, um, we'd have to look at uh, an existing uh, team. I think with alignment um, and also a team that right now doesn't have a facility, uh, we'd probably be looking at uh, Tampa mm-hmm. if they were in the mood to sell and relocate. Dave Stewart joining us. And Stu, you played the game. You were an agent. You were an assistant GM. You were a GM. Like I mentioned, you've been on every level of the sport itself. In terms of ownership, when did you first start thinking about a future in team ownership? Jim, man, I was in the room. Um, as as a player, obviously, I, I, I just wanted to play and, and get through my career. Uh, but when I became an executive and, you know, a special assistant, and then from a special assistant to a minor league director, minor league director, director player personnel, and then eventually I got the general manager's position. But through those years, you know, I was looking in the room at the people who looked like me. And, man, that and was saw still, nothing, um, bro, right? it was minimal and, and few. And, and because of that, it put me in a position that I wanted to be in ownership. But my experience in, in Arizona, actually after finally getting the job, um, and really finding out that I didn't have the strength or the power to do the things that I really wanted to do also pushed me in the direction of of ownership. You know, when you own a team, I think the values that I bring, especially from an ownership uh, piece, is that, one, I know the game. I've been in the game. I've been in the game from all different directions. The best part about black ownership and diversity, because baseball has talked about diversity, inclusion, and equity, um, is exactly that. And so with the Nashville Stars, man, I've looked at the, the the way I'd like to see an organization run. And I think we could be a blueprint for other Major League Baseball organizations, but big businesses in the world in general and how we plan to put together the team, put together the equity, put together the inclusion, sit in a room with people who don't just look like me and gather all of the ideas within the room to make our business a better business. Dave Stewart joining us. What I'm hearing, Stu, is that when you finally did get into a position of leadership and authority, still not that much changed, even when you had that power. So how much progress do you think has been made within the sport in terms of hiring minorities in management and position of authority? How much change or how much impact have we really seen? Well, we're, what, 75 years since Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Um, there are no black owners. There are no black general managers. Kenny Williams would be the highest executive in baseball at this time, uh, but he's not a general manager. Um, and there are two black managers on the field, Dave Roberts and Dusty Baker. And so when you look at the way the percentages of players are in the game, which I think we're at 7% or less, um, you know, and I've watched the hirings over this over the winter months this year. I didn't see any any minorities getting positions that were decision making positions. Kenny Williams did hire Sean Dunstan's daughter uh, with the Chicago White Sox, um, but the decision making positions still remain without minorities in them. And so when you say I don't know the intermixing and what Major League Baseball is doing inside the game, but publicly 
it doesn't look like there's very many changes being made. Dave Stewart joining us. You have your missions, too. That's great to see. You mentioned your guy, Dusty Baker. He, as much as anybody, may have helped you to turn your career around, at least at that point. What were you dealing with then, and what did he tell you? <laughs> yeah, man, I, I joined the A's uh, in uh, 1986. Um, and, as you know, as I found out, so I want to give the whole story. When Please. I found out, Sandy Alderson, um, when I went to work out for the A's in Baltimore, uh, which Baltimore, by, by the way, declined to even watch the workout in their own ballpark, mm. um, Sandy Alderson said that his management crew and the pitching coach didn't think that I was ready and that they did not want to sign me. Um, Sandy talked to my agent, uh, Tony Atanasio, and and uh, Tony went over the teams that um, were, did have interest, but one name st- stuck out for Sandy, and the name was Bill LaJoy, who was with Detroit at that time. And so um, Sandy said, if Bill LaJoy wants him, then we're going to sign him, and I don't care what my management crew starts. And so I get signed. Um, but it explained why I wasn't pitching very much in the first half of the season because Jackie didn't want me and West Stock didn't want me, so hey, I'm not going to pitch the guy. So talking to Dusty, um, who was a teammate from from the Dodger days and also a very, very good friend, and I told Bake, I said, man, this is getting a little crazy right now. I'm not really getting an opportunity to play. I think I'm going to walk away from it. And Bake said, Stu, whatever you do, make them take the uniform off your back. Don't ever give it back to them. Uh-huh. Uh, that was what he told me, and uh-huh. it stuck with me. And I'm glad he did because a month later, Jackie was gone and West Stock was gone and Tony La Russa stepped in with Dave Duncan and it changed my career. Incredible. Dave Stewart joining us. So you got that that advice when you needed to hear that. Also, Stu, what about Bob Gibson? Like, nobody tougher, no one better than Bob Gibson. I'll admit it, the first time I interviewed him in person, dude, I, I was scared to death of the guy. Like, he scared the <laughs> hell out of me. I'm like, don't say the wrong thing. Your career will be over before it starts. He also gave you some advice early in your career. What did Bob Gibson tell you? Bob Gibson told me the the best piece of advice he he gave me and and I carried this is is don't get comfortable with the the the, the players on the other side. I was going to make an all star team and um, I happened to see him before that and he told me you know when you're in that when you're in that clubhouse you got to remember that those guys whether they're in American League uniforms they play on different American League teams and he says don't ever get comfortable don't let these guys get to know you he says you're there for business and make it business he says don't be shaking hands don't do any of that stuff even though you're wearing the same uniform when you leave the next day they're on a different team and if you give away that little piece of you if you get them to let them know you just that little piece then you lose your edge and I remember Carney Lansford telling me that a bunch of guys were walking around in the, in the clubhouse saying, well, what's wrong with Stu? How come Stu won't talk to us? And blah, blah, blah. He's blah. better than us, right? Yeah, so that was a piece that he gave me. I always kept that. And, um, you know, I've, I've just had some great people, Gibby and, and Sandy Koufax. Sandy oh, Koufax. Tell me about your relationship with Sandy. Yeah, he was the transformation for me. In 1977, I was in Instructional League. Um actually 76 in instructional league and I had two losing seasons and when I say losing I don't win a game in the minor leagues hmm. and Sandy came to the instructional league walked more people than I had innings pitched and Sandy sat me down and he told me he says I I used to be you when I signed the difference was we get a hundred thousand dollars 
and I had to play in the big leagues. Yeah. He said, but I was wild. I couldn't command the strike zone. I was everything that you are. And he says, if you allow me, I'm going to help you. And he did. Um, he took my mechanics, took everything from the start, rebuilt me, so to speak. And the last thing he gave me was he said, you're still a little wild high. He said, once you stand on the mound and lower your cap as low as you can so that it, you tell me what you see. So I would see, it kept lowering it. I said, I still kind of see the hitter's hands. I see the top of the catcher's mask. He said, lower it some more. Lord, it's some more. He said, what do you see now? I said, I see the chin of the catcher and his shoulders. He said, okay, now throw the ball. I threw the ball. Everything was down. And he says, you can always adjust down up. But he said, it's tough to adjust t- up down. He says, so I got you now. And that's how I ended up with, with, the, with the low cap. I love that story. That's a true story. Sandy Koufax, Dave Stewart joining us. Too. Like, so when you look at your career over 16 years, you had almost no arm problems. Your durability was great. You almost never, ever missed a start. It's almost like right now, I don't, I don't want to over-embellish this, but it's almost like it's not a question of if, but a matter of when you get that Tommy John procedure and maybe twice. How is it that you as a power guy back in the day never had any arm issues, and now today we see it all the time? Well, I threw a lot. Um, I played catch almost every day. Um, um, I played long toss um, in between starts, uh, three times in between starts. Um, I was an avid runner anywhere between three and five miles a day, except the day before I pitched. Um, once again, you know, and this came from Don Newcomb. Um, he believed that. Can I interject? Man, I love Nuke. Nuke. <laughs> Man, I remember the first time I sat with Nuke. And I, by the way, I grew up in Calabasas, so I went to high school with his kids. Mm-hmm. But Nuke, man, what a gentleman, what a legend of the game, right? Unbelievable man, unbelievable man, sharp man. I mean, yeah. when I say sharp, I mean both mentally. But if, boy, if you touched him while he was dressed, boy, you'd cut your hands. That's the sharpest he was. Not a better, <laughs> not a better dressed man in the game. Yeah, yeah, he looked great. And so Nuke always said, man, the the key to keeping a healthy arm is the foundation. Your foundation is your legs. And he said you should run a lot of long distance. Builds strength in your legs and it builds stamina. So not only will you have strength in your legs, but you'll also have stamina, which will allow you to go deep in the games. Another thing Bob Gibson told me, going back, he sure. says, "What is the what is the best way to win a baseball game?" And I sat in the car. We were coming from a card signing, and I said, um, "I don't know." He says, "I'm going to tell you the best way." He says, "The best way is to finish it." <laughs> right. And right. that's, that's, that's true story. If you finish it. So my goal after that became to pitch as deep as I could in baseball games. And uh, that, that started off my run of, of 21 seasons and, you know, the complete games and the high uh, number of innings pitched. But but you did it such a different way back then because, look, the game's different. I hate for you and I to be the old guy sitting on the porch and them telling us to get the hell off, but it, it was just done a different way, right? Like you would try to command that fastball, work everything off that fastball, and not show them what else you had in terms of secondary pitches. Now you've seen everything before the end of the first inning, right? Yeah. yeah but that, nobody's but, finishing what they that's start. That's true. But back in those days, that was the Dodger way. And that is the, the, the one piece, the, the foundation, the fundamentals that I've always kept. Uh, the Dodger way, back in the days, Ron Paranowski was the pitching coordinator, mm-hmm. um, and he was going through our system. We go to spring training, we had the strings, which blocked off the different pieces of the strike zone. But the one thing that we had to learn um, was to command our fastballs, both inside, outside, up the strike zone, and down the strike zone, as they call it, the square. And then after you learn to command your fastball, and Don Sutton, man, was the best that I've ever seen do this. Hmm. 
command the strike zone with your breaking ball. And Don Sutton could, could command the strike zone with his breaking ball. I've never seen anybody throw a breaking ball. He had a wicked hook, where, though, right? Where he wanted to, though, yeah, was the right, crazy right, part. Right. That's the crazy part. And he's throwing it on those strings. And sometimes he would hit the string with intent to hit the string consecutive times in a row, which was his way of letting me know I know what I'm doing. Right. You know, so it was just that was the Dodger way. Today's game is way different. You're right, man. And I'm going to be an old man sitting on the porch right now because my appreciation for pitching today is is minimal. Um, there are some guys that are out there, and we know who they are, the Kershaws, the Scherzers, um, the Verlanders. Those guys still have a touch of old school in them and will still command the strike zone and not show you their last weapon until you get late in the game. Whereas now, because pitchers don't command their fastball very well, they have to use all of their pitches early, and they have no secrets late in the game. A hitter will see a pitcher's whole repertoire in the first at bat. Right. You know, and I would still have probably two pitches left in the fifth inning before I broke out another pitch. So it it, it is different. If they've seen everything in the first inning, how are you going to get through the lineup yeah. two or three times oh, if yeah. they've seen everything in the first inning? Dave Stewart is joining me in studio. We're just chopping up about a lot of different things. You're going to become, Stu, only the sixth Oakland A to have your number retire this coming weekend. You've had a lot of great, great things happen in your career. But I'm talking six. So you're going to join Ricky, Reggie, Raleigh, these are all first-name guys, Eck and Catfish Hunter. What's that mean to you? What's that represent? Well, the, the, the biggest piece of this and, and is, you know, the Coliseum was in my backyard. Yep. I grew up blocks away from the Coliseum. So you used to sneak in, right? I did. I snuck in, sat in right field, Reggie's regiment, but I was in there before the gates opened. And so that's the, the biggest piece of this. Then the, the second piece of this is the names that you mentioned – they're all Hall of Famers. Those guys were all Hall of Famers, and that was the standard for the Oakland A's um, when they retired a number. Now, somehow I've been able to, to, to crack that mold, and I think that is, it, it, it's, it's a lot of things um, for the organization and the reason why uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this honor. One, uh, the work that I've done in the community, and, and two, the work that I did on the field. I think it's a combination of the two. Um, and not that the other names aren't. Those guys were great community and they were great baseball athletes. But um, I, I believe that um, when the A's decided to do this, that they looked at the body of work, not just on the field, but off the field. And so for me to be remembered in my hometown, as long as there's a baseball team there or as long as there's A's history um, is is an honor beyond words. Um, and I, I would not know um, what to say uh, in appreciation for what they're doing. So, Stu, what are you more proud of? What means more to you, the work between the lines or the work outside the lines and in the community? You know, God um, gave me the talent and the ability to play baseball. And, you know, people will tell you that your talent gets you on the field, your ability to maintain that then becomes your talent and your your, your mental level equaling, equaling your talent. I think that it takes it takes patience, it takes consciousness, and it takes a huge piece of your heart to be involved in the community. And so, you know, when people ask me, and I've got a couple of MVPs in the playoffs in the World Series, when people ask me about awards, um, I will always tell them that the Roberto Clemente Award is my biggest honor. Um, it's the thing that I'm most proud of. Hmm. Dave Stewart joining me. A couple of quick things before you go, Stu. 
Zen Bombs. What are you doing? What's going on with Zen Bombs? Zen, I know you got to be working that brand still. Zen is an all-natural pain reliever. We've now been doing this for a few years now. We're an all-natural pain reliever. We got 15 essential oils. Um, we are in Rite Aid. We're in uh, we're in um, CVS Health in the CVS Health section. Um, and this pain reliever, it is great for arthritis, back pains. You know, I had a hip surgery. I never used any drugs whatsoever, N- nothing across the counter. I put Zen on. I was out playing golf in six weeks. Mm. Um, and so it's the best over-the-counter, all-natural pain reliever that you can purchase in any stores. Where, like I said, we're in Rite Aid. We're in CVS. You can look at our zenpainreliever.com, and you can see us online. Um, but you won't find a better product if you've got aches and pains. Uh, you know, people talk about arthritis. You talk about rheumatoid arthritis. Um, when you when you speak about those things, and also, Jim, we're in an all-natural time. Uh-huh. Uh, we're in a period of time when people are looking for natural alternatives um, when it comes to their body and it comes to their well-being. The alternative is not good. Yeah. Well, Zen is the alternative. The best thing about this, the best addiction is, is that you want to use it and you want to keep using it because it makes you feel good. You've got instant relief. What I mean, Stu, the alternative to natural is not good. One final thought, and I mean this with all... I mean, I say this with all due respect, but I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way. You won a championship with the A's. You won a championship with Toronto. The world has changed. You and I are not the young guns we used to be. I understand that the world around us is changing. Yo, I best not see anybody getting nice in the stadium the day you get your number retired. Can, can we? Can I get your thoughts on, listen, hey, man, people do what they do, and people will get their freak on where they get it on, but since when did it become okay to get it on during games? This you know, is not a one-off yet either, my man. You know what? That's the second time that's happened at the Coliseum. Okay, and it's oh. happened in Toronto too. All right, so what's well, going on here? Well, Toronto, at least they were in the hotel, and you could just they forgot to close the window shade. Right. But those what's people, going on at the Coliseum, man? Hey, man, shoot, I guess the game that day wasn't a good game, so they wanted to do something to spice it up. Stay home. and okay, I guess so, man. I, I, okay. All right. My man, I'm just saying, just don't do it on the day you're no, getting your number retired, day. all right? Not my have day. some respect, all right? Not, not my if day. you have no dignity for yourself, have some respect for the man. Do not do it on the day you get your number retired. I agree with all you right? on that. Stuart, it's great to see you, man. I appreciate you. Congrats on that. Good luck with the mission, and it's always good to have you on the show. You know I appreciate this friendship, this relationship greatly, Stu. Very it's much. been absolutely outstanding, man. And any time that you call, you know I'm going to try to be here for you, and, and I just appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate and, that. And giving me the time that you've given me to talk about the things that are important to my life. Now, I want to talk about a dude who has not even coached his first NFL regular season game yet, but Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel could very well be my favorite coach already. No hyperbole, not even hot take. I mean, I mean that. He might be my favorite coach already and has not coached a regular season game yet. No, in fact, check that. Mike McDaniel is my favorite coach in the NFL right now. He might be my favorite coach in any sport. And again, not only not a single regular season win to his name, not a single regular season game to his name. I cannot get enough of this guy. All of it, the look, the energy, the youth, him not taking himself that seriously, even though he's a Yale grad. And the fact that this dude is really bleeping funny, like really funny, like stand-up comedian moonlighting as an NFL head coach. Funny. That funny. 
And again, before game one of his head coaching career, this dude already has a highlight reel of absolute hilarity. This refreshing as hell from a profession of boring ass cliche-ridden soundbites. Excited to be here. Equally excited for you guys to truly take in how physically imposing I am. So, what do we got? You got, you got anything going on? Just hanging out in an auditorium? All right. Really, we haven't invested second-round draft picks into offensive linemen. We'd prefer everyone to be 400 pounds and 6'10", if you could engineer that. That's a cool question. Mike, what is it about Debo? Who? What's up, man? Mike Jones, let's go. What's up? I'd love to blame it on my childhood and my mom, but I don't eat vegetables at all, which, as I get older, is probably not a good thing. And I got to salad and stopped, so I don't really eat any vegetables at all. Do you a lot eat french fries? I do, yes. That's a vegetable. There you go. Oh, well, there potatoes. you go. Potatoes. Yeah, you're right. Good call. That's all? That was fun. See you guys. I got to salad and I stopped. That's Ritz Hero right there. Again, here's a guy who's yet to coach his first NFL regular season game, yet he's going to bring that kind of comedic heat nearly every time he gets in front of a micro camera. And even with this being the biggest week of this physically imposing dude's professional career, Mike is still cracking wise. He's still cracking jokes. He's still keeping the vibe light. You see, for the first ever NFL game as a head coach, he is being tasked with the challenge of facing the GOAT himself, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So while most people would be nervous as all hell, not Mike. Mike's not making more of this than what it is. And while complimenting the hood at yesterday's presser, he was also busy doing what he does best outside of coaching football, and that's making people laugh. Yeah, I mean, can there be a, a larger disparity in career win-loss total? Um, no, I... Yeah. It would be a bigger deal, I think, if uh, Coach Belichick and I were on the field, uh, maybe doing like an Oklahoma drill. But I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, I don't think the fans would really pay for that. Uh, wrong, my man. Wrong. This dude is so great. The master of self-deprecation. Talking about lining up mono e mono against the master of football and monotone mumbling during the biggest week of his career. And this dude's loose. I mean, that is gold. But you are wrong about that, Mike. Hell yes, the fans would pay for you and the hood to square off in an Oklahoma drill. Are you kidding me about that? Do not sell yourself short, my guy. I would pay stacks of cash to see that. In fact, I think I'm more into that than the game itself. We'd be licking our chops like the hood's kid does on the daily waiting in anticipation of who would fire up first, you or the 70-year-old coach. Here's a question for you. Who would be A.J. Dillon, and who would be the mascot here? Jokes aside, though, imagine being in this guy's shoes right now, a few days out from game one, and you've got Bill Belichick on the slate. When the hood was hired as New England's head coach in 2000, Mikey was a junior in high school. Hood's got 290 wins, six Lombardis, and Mike is stepping on the gridiron for the first time as the lead man against him. And instead of the Hood being all up in his head, he's talking about squaring off in Oklahoma drills against this guy. I'm telling you, I, I could not 
like this guy's vibe anymore than I do right now. And Mumbler, for you, let me tell you something. You will enunciate, but you will not get in McDaniel's head. You may win, but you will not intimidate this cat because nothing does. And if he can scheme half as well as he can rap, it says, and it says here he can, things are looking the hell up in Miami. No matter how much the owner there cheats, er, tampers, er, is away from the team for doing a bunch of crap that he should have never been doing. The coach, on the other hand, is funny, he's confident, he does not rattle or blink, and he never lets the moment get too big for him. And yes, I know I'm saying all this before he's even coached one game. Because as great as this sport is, and it is great, the sport needs more of this. More of this. Excited to be here. Equally excited for you guys to truly take in how physically imposing I am. So, <laughs> what do we got? You got, got anything going on? Just hanging out in an auditorium? All right. Really, we haven't invested second-round draft picks into offensive linemen. We'd prefer everyone to be 400 pounds and 6'10", if you could engineer that. That's a cool question. Mike, what is it about Debo? Who? What's up, man? Mike Jones, let's go. What's up? This dude's so funny. I'm really excited to be here, but not nearly as excited as I am for all of you to see how physically imposing I am. And sport needs so much more of that guy. So much more of that, as great as the sport is. And as great as the sport is, it needs so much less of this. And we got a lot of work to do. Plenty of things we need to work on. Really isn't too much to say. We just got to get back to the drawing board. Um, no, I made the... Uh, no. Look, I'm, we're coaching the team. I'm coaching the team. We're not going to get in a post-game analysis here. Really, I've had enough of that. Yeah, I don't know. What happens if Jimmy plays better? Look, I told you what's going to happen. Jesus Christ. With the JC bomb at the end. What happens if Jimmy plays better? Uh, I told you what's going to happen already. Jesus Christ. Mike McDaniel. I mean, he went with the JC blast right there. Mike McDaniels might be the seventh full-time head coach that the Dolphins have hired since the Mumbler showed up in New England. But I promise you this. He is nothing like the others because he's nothing like any other coach in the NFL right now. And I'm not the only one who loves this dude. You know who else does? Vegas. Vegas has the Dolphins favored by three. Meaning for the first time since December of 2013, if this holds, and it should, a Bill Belichick-led Patriot squad will be going into a game with the Dolphins as underdogs. Incredible. I mean, Sunday cannot get here soon enough. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Trust me, the mumbers like, uh, here we go again. Here we go again. Another new face in Miami that Radio Man loves. Are you kidding me on that Oklahoma drill, Radio Man? Hey, Radio Man, if you knew anything about anything. Steven, stop licking yourself. Hey, Radio Man, if you knew anything about anything. Low man wins, punk. He'll be the one pulling a Steven and licking his wounds when I AJ Dillon his ass. It's not about speed. It's about playing with leverage, all right? But, of course, what would you know, Radio Man? What would you know? You and your nice air-conditioned studio in Los Angeles there? What do you know? You don't know Jack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, anyway, your scoreboard, Radio Man. Isn't that your own phrase? Look up at it. Look up at it after the game's done. All right, let's go to the phones. We go to Illinois. Jimmy in Illinois. 
Good to have you, Jimmy. How are hey, you? Jim. What's hey, up? Jim, I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a lifelong Notre Dame fan, and uh, we were still licking our wounds from a missed opportunity for a signature win against the Buckeyes in Columbus. And what did we need as a staff for our wounded pride and hurt feelings? But Brian Kelly face-planning on the big stage again. The special teams gaffes, the bad in-game decision-making, the throwing his team under the bus, classic Brian Kelly. This guy bailed on the University of Cincinnati. He bailed on Notre Dame. He's not going to be around long enough to bail on the LSU. I see the Bayou buyout coming in three or four seasons tops. Thanks, Rome. I'm out. Rack him. I like it. Good night now!